I've had such a, a really, really lovely response from people. Um, <laughs> I thought it was falling down on you. Uh, although technically I shouldn't laugh because I thought the building was far. Hello and welcome back to Widowed AF. You're here with Rosie Gilmoss and joining me today is my husband, Jonathan Gilmoss. Hi, Rose. Hi, everybody. Affectionately known as the alive husband. That's kind of sticking, John, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay that. I mean, it was touching at one point, wasn't it? So, If you wouldn't mind, yeah, if you wouldn't mind. So... Thank you, everyone, for joining us again. We're going to have a little bit of a chat about Emma Gray's episode, which went out on Monday. For those of you who haven't listened, it is a very moving episode. Um, she's our first sort of military wife to come on. And whilst he didn't die in, in combat, um, the way that the military pro- deal with grief and the kind of impact on those left behind is is slightly different because when somebody is in the military, you... I suppose you live with the acceptance that you may get that awful news. But I think what you don't get is the notion that a young, fit Marine will get cancer and die young. I guess it perhaps you're prepared for one type of catastrophe, but perhaps not the other. Um, so it was it was really interesting and it generated quite a feedback. I've had a couple of lovely messages uh, from friends of mine just saying how how much they liked her actually and how much they could really feel that love and you know when he talked about um he made lockets for people and wrote notes and it was just I don't know this idea of legacy came up quite a bit again which um was really interesting it's the first military um family widowing interview that we we've done um and you know some of the con- some of the concepts that that came to mind I'd never thought of like you know you know the delayed grief because he goes away on tour but she says he was away for eight, uh, 16 of the 18 months of, I think, their second daughter when she was born. So, you know, when he initially passed, she just went into, as she called it, single mum mode. And then it was the fact that he was never coming back through the door. And, um, again, it's just it's just another side of grief. Yes, I sort of felt that as well. The idea that if they are not always a kind of constant physical presence in the home, be it work or, or whatever the circumstances, it perhaps, I mean, Emma said it, it does delay that process because them not being there is kind of normal until it's not. And yeah. then it really isn't. And I think knowing that they're never going to come home, you're never going to hear the thud of the bag as it lands in the hallway again. Um, ben used to work abroad. Uh, he only went away one, he tended to work one week a month. And I, you know, I, I missed the sound of his bag hitting the door and the door slamming and, you know, that him telling me he was home. And I suppose... For Emma, that that really will be kind of amplified from the nature of what he did. Yeah, it's just it's just another cruel knife that this uh, the grief likes to stick in you. Do you know what? Actually, I, I met a, a friend uh, yesterday. Actually, I met her for a coffee, and she she won't mind me saying this because she is coming on the podcast. And um, this is a friend that I met before I was widowed. We were doing a baby massage or baby yoga or one of those things that that you do. <laughs> And we hit it off and we stayed in touch and, um, you know, periodically we we, we meet up occasionally. And then last year, um, her husband died of a heart attack and it was horrible to watch somebody be in the position I had been in um, and to, I suppose, to see it from the outside, but also knowing what she would be going through. And 
we've obviously we, we met up and we stayed in touch and I've tried to offer as much support as I can but I suppose what I wanted to talk about is that period she's nine months in and that period where you're floundering and you don't really know what to do because we talk quite a lot about the initial shock or the the death and the lead up and the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. and then where we are which is kind of popping out the other side is that's I'm I view it as having dragged myself up to the top of the mountain and now being in a place where I can look back and take in the view a little bit. There'll be other mountains, of course there will, but those are the sort of periods in time that stick out permanently, I guess, where I am now. And I don't very often think about the sort of nine months to a year point, and it is when you, of course, your support has died away because other people have have commitments and normality has crept back in and you're hurtling towards a year. But you're still very, very lost and you're still, she actually referred to the chicken and wine stage. And it is really lonely, the constant nights in alone and seeming like the world is just going on outside and, and just kind of like, what do you do with the kids after school? You know, I remember just taking them to the park for hours and things or driving them to McDonald's for their tea about three times a week because I just could not think what to cook. And I knew they would bloody eat it if I put any effort in. Um and it is, it's a, it's a, a kind of no man's land of grief, that period, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I remember the same, like my entire clothing wardrobes and Holly's clothing wardrobe was in the laundry room, clean, but that's about as far as it got. Um, and, and, you know, that first, yeah, the first year is just, yeah, it's a blur. It's a bit like having a baby. Like, yeah. You don't remember that first, the first year, the sleepless nights, you, you saw. You don't really remember it, do you? And I suppose it's about the time where the, the dust settles a little bit and you do realise actually, okay, I've done the initial firefighting, I've pulled the kids through the initial flames and, you know, they 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 seem, you know, that they're doing care and I've put the scaffolding in to support them where necessary. Okay, so now, okay, now I kind of have to look at myself and think, mm-hmm. do I want to carry on like this? It's sort of the point where you start to look at what life has become and think, Okay, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's that the analogy of being thrust into a country with no guidebook, no knowledge of the language, and I think that's what you feel like. You feel like everything's settled, and you're just stood there thinking, "Oh my God, what on earth do I do now?" Well, actually, that's when the choice comes in. It's the one that my counsellor, I think I've mentioned it before, and I've mentioned it to quite uh, anybody who listens. Really, she she said to me, "I said you have a choice. You can be happy, or you can be sad." But the path of being happy is much harder than the path of being sad. And that, I mean, that doesn't obviously mean that you have to be exclusively happy. Of course, you're allowed to be sad. You're, you're the person that you love has died. You'll be sad forever. Like that, that sadness will never leave you. But it's the idea that you are allowed to be happy and that you can mm-hmm. sort of make some choices to help that along. You can start. You did this thing where you said yes to everything, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I ended up in a in a visa. I was going to say you end up with a lads, lads, lads holiday to Ibiza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't all have to do that, but I suppose it's when you I don't know you maybe venture back out into the world a little bit, and it might even be when you get to the point where you think you might like a bit of comfort, or you know I don't know this it's this it is that sort of you know the I don't know nine months to two three years it it just does feel like a real no man's land, um, so. I don't know. We'll we'll try and think if we can think of strategies or anything that might help you through. But primarily, I think just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit to do you know dangerous or scary or you know, risky things, unless that's your bag. Um, but just to 
I don't know, go meet a friend for a coffee or I don't know, go to the quiz night or something like that. Just it only has to be something little, but you can start to maybe you might not be ready also you might not be ready you might want a chicken and wine for a bit longer and that is really cool too if that is giving you some comfort in such a horrible time i suppose when they first die like your future's gone like all your plans are gone everything's gone so once the shock and the dust has started to settle you need to look at yourself and decide what you want from your life and and then how do i go and get it and i think that's what i meant by happy or sad I can stay a widow and that will define me or live my life to the fullest because I have the privilege of still being here. And that's it. It is a privilege to still be here. Yeah. And, you know, go out and as uh, one of our guests said, go grab life by the badge. That's the lovely Julie Stonehouse. I regularly refer to that. And yeah, you, you are so right. It's, um, it's the idea again that you set out on a path and you're happily poofing along your path. My life in my world was perfect. I was so happy and it wasn't perfect. Who's this? But it, you know, I, it was really happy, good life. And on the roll of a dice, it's gone. The whole life is gone. And that takes some bloody getting used to because it's not that the person you love taken from you. You've got the, the keeper of the memories has gone. The shared future has gone. The plans, the dreams, the hopes, and you have to find your own. You have to. And that is a really scary, big, thing um and i spent quite a lot of time thinking well would ben want me to do this would ben want me to do that what would ben want for the kids and actually that has to kind of fade away as well because you are the one making the choices and you are the one that's here um and sometimes those are difficult choices you know moving schools moving house that sort of thing um and also dealing with you know navigating parenting children through Teenagers is hard enough anyway, and many of ours will, will have still some residual trauma. Completely agree. But yeah, I think that that's probably the message that needs to be said rather than choosing happy inside. I think I need to change my frame of reference. But it's finding yourself and what you want and what makes you tick and happy and going and doing that. And start with a hobby. Like you said, go, or go for a coffee or, you know, if you enjoy being with friends, just go and see a friend and just fake it till you make it. Because you got to us to a certain extent you know you have it's very easy to become isolated isn't it because you don't really want to go out of your, your bubble i think it was about nine months when my friend dragged me to the pub um <laughs> got in a proper state as you can imagine but that was that point where i realized actually i could tiptoe into the world no i wasn't gonna get struck down yeah. by lightning um oh. the children would be safe you know they're with my mom it, it's you become that's the other thing of course you become sort of super risk averse especially when it comes to kids and stuff particularly i, I think perhaps if you have a, a sudden death because you just live under the fear of the lightning bolt striking again but <laughs> it, it is a, fa a fairly irrational fear and and you, you do have to kind of push yourself a little bit in those early days i think talking of finding yourself you did quite the big thing this week didn't you why don't you tell us about it <laughs> it was lovely i a very dear friend of mine has a big birthday next month and i wanted rather than just going to the sort of night out that she'd arranged i wanted to take her at, um have a couple of nights in the sunshine so we found an absolute cork of a deal in sicily we were good to go went to book in on thursday we were flying on the friday flights cancelled so a protracted phone uh negotiation refund rebooked and got this absolutely belting deal to Santorini, where I've always wanted to go. And we had three nights in a really lovely hotel. 
And we just ate lovely food and we sunbathed and I read four books. And it was really kind of empowering, I suppose. Uh, and I feel very, I suppose, a bit silly saying this because, you know, how privileged I was able to leave my children with somebody I trust. I was able to go on holiday. And yes, I'm aware of that, but it, it's been a long time coming. It's not something I've done even prior to losing Ben. I, I, I've been a little bit anxious about you know, traveling and I've, I've never really gone away with friends abroad since I was at university. Very different. Um, and things like the plans got changed, like obviously. And then I've just found out there was a, um, Mount Etna erupted and right where we were going to be staying, but it's covered with ash. So, um, perhaps a, a nice swerve. Um, but yeah, it was weird to be in my own company a lot because we we had separate rooms and we sort of went, you know, did our own thing and met up at various points. And it was really, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. I would recommend it if you if you can, uh, just to sort of go and and have a bit of a breathing space. And I didn't, I don't like this kind of feeling of wanting to get away from my kids because that's not really how I feel about my kids. Don't get me wrong, there are moments. Um, I suppose. That's not what it's about, though, is it? It's not a break from your kids. It's just a break from remembering packed lunches and complicated after-school schedules. And it's just a little break from the day-to-day, I suppose. And it, it really it, it did something really good. And it's given me this, you know, another of these kind of boosts. I did something that was a bit scary and it, and it, and it went fine. So, yeah, I can do it again. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, but it, it it's... It's the reminder that, um, yes, you're a mum, yes, you're a wife, but you're also a rosy, you're an individual. And going and spending time in your own skin and trying to get happy in your own skin um, just gives you that reminder that actually, yes, I am a mum, yes, I'm a wife, I'm a podcast host, but you're also you. And give yourself that little bit of time. It doesn't have to be a holiday. It can be, you know, going out for a walk. It can be I, for... see. I see how this has dropped down from Santorini to going for a walk. I see. <laughs> um, now that I'm, I'm, Trying to project the point down to the people I might like, get away to Santorini, but take that time to be yourself and uh, and, and and basically live with yourself. Yeah, make yourself your best friend. Yeah, I know that I've spent a lot of time out running my head. You know, whether it be uh, you know I've tried literal running, <laughs> booze, dropping, whatever it might be, to sort of and even you know the doom scrolling we do on our phones just it it stops you having to sit with your own thoughts and in your own company, I guess, and actually. I really have avoided doing that at all costs. And yes, I, I read a lot and, you know, sort of disengaged that way from from my own thoughts. But I also spent a lot of time just thinking and, and reflecting. And I suppose just looking back and thinking, God, you know, if you told me five years ago that this would be how this new path ended up, I I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have thought it was possible. And that's and it's making me feel tingly even saying it, but I didn't have hope. I didn't have belief that my life would be all right. I thought I would be so sad and so broken forever. I could not see that this was going to turn out in any other way. And to take the time to reflect on how far we have come, how far I have come. And I, I, and I feel a bit immodest saying that, but yes, how far I've come from, you know, the, the, the booze swilling, hiding from the world, just, you know, lurching from, Mr. Poitbunst and to, to being here where I can talk about the steps that we're taking to get here. Right? This is not ever intended to be a guide to wellness or healing initially, but actually what we want to do is sort of share things 
that work for us and they might not work for everybody else but surely the only positive about the, the, the shit show as stephanie hills calls it and that she was speaking to her on friday which i can't wait for um is that you have this knowledge and this experience and that's how we learn isn't it we share yeah definitely and just, uh, just to harp on a little bit more sorry everybody um whilst i was at home uh, with the kids Oh yeah, we need to give you credit. Yeah, John Hassel. No, no, no. It, it was it was a totally different experience to what I normally have because normally I don't like being by myself. I need another adult just to be, even in the same vicinity. Um, but I found myself, you know, we we had a barbecue. I sat that the kids all then cleared off inside, and I just sat in the garden. I was quite happy and content in my own skin, and that uh, I don't think I've ever been there. Um, uh, and that that was good. That was nice. And so you know, you had the empowering trip of of going and doing the trip as well. But I I had the staying at home and actually enjoying being with my own head rather than fighting it and being generally a little bit moody and a little bit grumpy and um, lethargic and procrastinating and all the rest of it. Um, there was none of that. And you know we. We we had a great weekend. You edited three episodes, didn't you, as well, which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah. One other sort of, I guess, consequence of being widowed is often you lose contact with your old social circle. Uh, it kind of it happens quite a lot with couples. Um, I guess the dynamic changes, and even if you're in another relationship, it doesn't always work out the same. And also, you know, your mates, your girly mates that you used to have carefree nights out with and things like that. You don't feel very carefree when you've got this burden with you. Um, and I've got a very lovely friend who I have many, many lovely friends. <laughs> but Sam, I knew kind of before Ben and I were really serious. And so we've watched each other's lives and, we, you know, we live very different lives. She's, you know, lives in London, girl about town. She doesn't have kids and she's not widowed. But it was really lovely to reconnect with her and spend time that you wouldn't normally have. You normally have a dinner or a coffee, but to have three days in and out of each other's company was was really lovely. And I guess a reminder that the old you is there somewhere and you haven't completely gone. Um, and I think sometimes it's quite important to remember that. And you did something, well, not quite the same, you didn't go to Santorini, but you did go to for lunch with your old business partners. And that, again, is sort of dipping your toe into your old life, isn't it? Yeah, I did, yeah. So it was sort of a... Uh, a meetup because uh, five years ago is when we we, we sold the business, um, so we were having a little meetup. See how everyone's still going on, um, and I remember sitting on the train on the way up there, thinking um, it, it it was the start of a uh, like a, an upward trajectory for the company and for us personally, but it was also the start of Sarah's demise. Yeah. Uh, so whilst they carried on their their path, my life took a very different turn and I've effectively rebuilt it. But when I when I went and joined them I, I, again with this self-discovery thing, you know, I, I don't drink anymore either. They do. But we sat, we had a lovely meal. They were putting the wine away. They got absolutely smashed out. And we all actually had a wonderful time. And I left at the point when they wouldn't remember being there anymore anyway. And it was wonderful to catch up with them. Yeah. But it, 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 I remember I was sat on the train. I was thinking, oh, this is a little bit weird which where's my head gonna go but it was fine in the end and i do think we you know we build ourselves up so much so i was a you know and I, I mean i wasn't going on holiday at various points last week because you know i don't know what catastrophe i was foreseeing there was a point actually on the flight on the way home i was in an easy jet toilet 
and there was turbulence. And I thought to myself, this is how it ends. This is how it ends in an easy jet toilet. Um, obviously, I lived to tell the tale of some mild turbulence, but um, the tendency to sort of catastrophize and predict what might go wrong before something happens. I, I don't I don't remember being like this before I was widowed. I don't, but it, it could it could be getting older and more risk averse. But I, I don't think I, I was quite as apprehensive about things prior to this. So um and just before we, we, we sort of wash up for today, um another key issue or a key to, sort of talking point I guess that came out of the conversation with Emma Gray was that about neurodivergence? And we were both um, diagnosed post being bereaved. And I've always kind of wondered why that meant I became so much more aware of it. And I think partly it was having a son um, go through the diagnostic process. And also, I I think for me personally, it was when I stopped drinking maybe and I sort of saw what, what lay beneath, as it were. Um, and Emma described it as just being too tired to mask anymore. And I thought, Oh yeah, maybe it is that. Maybe you are just so exhausted and you just cannot keep that facade up any longer. Now, there does seem to be quite a lot of widows who do find out about neurodivergence and after the bereavement. And I just wonder, you know, why that is. There must I mean, is there a reason for it? Is it coincidence? Do we just become a little bit more aware of who we are? Many of us go through therapy. So I am I'm kind of interested in delving a little bit more into this. So if anybody has got any input or questions or any you know, suggestions, um, please do reach out to us. Um we have I did mention it last week, but I'm going to um I'm going to do it again because it's my podcast and I can. <laughs> we have a, a Facebook group now, which is starting to grow a little bit of momentum. Um and it's a place where you guys can talk to each other, you can talk to us directly. Um, we really want to kind of grow a community out of this and sort of provide a place where you guys can interact as well. And also it will give us a direct line to what you want to talk about and what you would like to hear us talk about. Um, so we're recording this a day early today. Mm. We usually record on a Thursday, um, but actually we're going to go to the podcast show in London tomorrow, which is quite exciting. A bit disappointed that it's going to be a bit hot for us to wear our branded hoodies, which we're very proud of, but they are, you could probably sleep outside in them. They're that warm. Uh, so if um, there's anything exciting to report, shall we see any, you know, podcast celebs, we'll, we'll let you know. And uh, it'd be really interesting just to go into that world because it, neither of us are from the world of broadcasting and particularly not from podcasting. So it is incredibly new to us. We've both been doing this since January and really kind of excited to, to, to see what, what goes on, I guess. I mean, on that note, I mean, it's a bit of a humble brand, but we have made it onto a podcast chart. We just got an email today alerting us to it because we kind of didn't imagine that we would have done at this stage. Um, and it's it's the it's international widowed based podcast, isn't it? I think it's uh, and we when we we're on the chart. I think we're twenty seven out of two hundred forty four, which I think is not bad considering we're 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 mere babies in the world of podcasts. So um, keep downloading, keep sharing us because this is this is really special. And um, I mean, I'm smiling my face up here because I, I I've never been, I don't think I've ever been proud of anything I've done professionally before like this. And I I'm so glad that I get to to do this. And I'm I'm you know people supporting, listening, and and enjoying what we do is is what validates it and makes it worthwhile. So thank you, everybody. Hello, it's me. Um, I've just popped back to uh, record a message. Uh, we've been to the podcast show today and I'm kind of fizzing with, um, I don't know, like excitement really, because it felt really cool to be part of something. And 
I think we're seeing this enormous uh, change in broadcasting over to kind of podcasts as a medium. And it just feels, yeah, it feels exciting to be part of something fresh. And I don't know, like, down with the kids, man. Um, but while we were there, I recorded a very brief little interview with Riverside, who we um, who hosts our, our podcast. And then I got massive imposter syndrome, basically, just before we recorded. And I said, oh, my God, I need to just explain that I've only had a podcast for six months. Like, I'm really, really new at this. And um, my figures are, I've got about 20,000 downloads. And I sort of babbled on, you know, as I, as I do like to. And he, um, he sort of smiled at me and I thought, oh, God, I was going to say thank you. But actually, we wanted um, a real podcaster. And actually, what he said to me was, um, you do realise that those figures are astounding and that puts you in the 1% of the 1% for uh, new podcasts um, from people who don't have an existing platform. And you can probably hear in my voice, it kind of really over, like, oh my God, you know, uh, I, I literally shook like a leaf. And um, yeah, I hadn't, I guess, because you don't really know what um, other podcasts, how many downloads they have unless they tell you. And you hear these enormous figures from celebrity podcasts, but Wow, yeah, I guess so. Thank you, everybody that has downloaded it, because you made uh, you made me really smile today, and yeah, it was it was cool. Anyway, I will uh, shut up now and catch up with you all um, in the next episode. Nothing. So I think that's probably a wrap for today, and um, I just want to quote back to you guys something that Emma said in her interview, and it was, "Your grief is as unique and as deep as the love that you had for the person who's not there," and I just think that's beautiful and hold on to that when you're worried that you're not grieving correctly or you're doing it differently to somebody else it's it is unique and it's yours and just take care of yourself bye-bye